Support for this podcast comes from JCPenney. So you made your list, checked it twice, and are looking for deals that are oh so nice? You can count on JCPenney to find everything you need to make your holiday memorable at all the best prices. And the deals keep getting better with JCPenney's Cyber Days. Want the insider scoop on our best offers? Stay tuned for a little inspiration. Plus, learn how you can take an additional 35% off your order. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Hey, you like video games, right? And you like friends, too, right? You know, a lot of people say yes to those questions, but here on The Besties, we prove it. Every Friday, me, Justin McElroy, and my brother Griffin McElroy team up with our best pals and Polygon co-founders, Chris Plant and Russ Freshtick, to dive deep into one game. It's like a book club, but with no reading required. Come play along with your new best friends and listen to The Besties free, only on Spotify. This week, we're back with comedian Josh Johnson on Classic Black Dude for part two of Just Joshin'. It's a couple, and I'm glad that you're on the show and you have such experience. First of all, I love I love so many people on the staff, from Roy Wood Jr., who's like Yoda for so many <laughs> uh, young comedians, um, and Dose, and Ronnie, and even Trevor himself. So I ask you this just from a standpoint of what you, you come against in certain situations when you talk about police brutality, which is the issue. Were you given the talk as a kid or even as an adult about how to survive with police confrontations? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was a, or white people, period. Not even police, just how to, how to talk to white folks. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But there's also, you know, I think it's still weirdly and sadly optimistic to, to think that even the talk is going to have some sort of overall effect because a lot of mm. the situations aren't about us. So it's not something we can fix, you know? Um, yeah. I think that when I was sat down, I was sat down like once when I was 10, I, the 10, I'm sure it happened before that, but like being 10, that's the one I remember felt like a fire drill or something. It was like, listen, yeah, everybody gather around, take a knee. Yeah. When you go to a store, <laughs> You you go in, you get what you need to get, and then you get out because the last thing you need is somebody following you because they think mm-hmm. that you're trying to say, look. So little things like that started it. And then from there, it was just other instances of like, you know, you need to, you need to reasonably comply as much as possible. But, you know, there was even a case where, and this wasn't even like a, like just a black thing. This was like, a big thing that guy even talked about in our high school because where I grew up there was someone who was pretending to be a cop and so at mm. night they would they would drive behind people and they look like you know like those uh I don't even know what kind of car they are because I don't know cars that much oh, Crown, like, Crown Victoria like those uh old yeah, so, school so it would be like that old school car that wasn't a cop car but it has the lights installed so then when they pop mm-hmm. up behind you, you know what I mean? So it's like you're a plain clothes car, cop car, whatever. Right. So there was a guy that the police could not seem to find for the longest that was using that tactic of basically pretending to be a cop on the road with people to like rob people. Right. Damn. And it wasn't. And, and this is a thing that clued me into how like police and the law are talked about in in white spaces versus black spaces because I went to a Catholic high school and I remember our teacher just for, because he knew that a lot of us were getting our permits. We're 16. So we were going to start driving and he was scared of us having 
this thing happened to us. And so mm-hmm. in our in our civics class, he just sat down one day and explained the full law of stopping for a police officer to us. And he mm. and, it, and it was insane because it was like as much as as much as the black people in my life love me and and try to instill like not not just fear for the sake of fear, but like a healthy fear and understanding of the police and what they can do in the law. It had never been broken down to me in a way that was like listen, this is exactly what they're allowed to do. This is what they're not allowed to do. You can't really challenge them on this in person, but later on, if they try to take you to court, if they give you a ticket, if they show up for the court case, whatever, you can make this known. And it was, and it, it immediately, like, it immediately clued me into how whatever, like, (laughs) whatever, like cops put their hands on somebody white before they're really allowed to, white people are already like, ooh, ooh, I'm gonna sue the shit out of you. Like yeah, that, yeah, that thing yeah. because they because they know. It's not it's not I think that the optics of it are that it's an entitlement thing, but it's not just an entitlement thing. It's a knowledge. It's a knowledge of the exact law. It's a knowledge of what yeah. they're allowed to do. And then they know it's like you're not allowed to do this to me. You know what I mean? Now sometimes that works out in their favor and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But he sat us down in that class and he told us exactly. He was like, you don't even have to, as long as you don't speed up. And this might also just be like a municipality thing. So I'm not, this isn't advice for anybody listening to the podcast or anything. <laughs> but this, you have rights. <laughs> but, but basically, um, in the scenario he was talking about in our specific parish of Louisiana, he was like, as long as you don't increase your speed, you don't have to stop until you feel safe. So, oh, shit. so then if, if you're driving home and let's say you have to take a little piece of highway to drive home. And mm-hmm. then that's when this person cop or not starts flashing their lights and stuff. As long as you're driving at a moderate speed and obeying the laws of the road and everything, you don't have to stop right there. There's no like marker because you can't even have a high speed chase without high speed. You know what I mean? So if you're driving 20 That's miles per right. hour and okay. you just haven't stopped yet, they, if they start ramming your car and all this stuff like that, they're clearly on one because you do have to stop for them, but there's no, there's no determined space that you have to stop for them. Cause there are even, there've even been times where I've been in cars where we were getting pulled over and the cop didn't even want to stop yet. Like the cop was like, what are you yeah. doing over, over here? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so, that understanding that little piece of of you know a rule law whatever you want to call it was like so eye-opening because i like a part of me was like oh this is why (laughs) this is why you catch so many like indignant white people because they know the exact they weren't they know they weren't speeding they know the exact local code (laughs) right that's what that just made something makes so much sense to me because I'm living in LA which is like high speed chase uh, central and there was just this police chase but but the dude was in a minivan Mm -hmm. so he was only going he was doing the speed limit he just wouldn't stop Mm -hmm. and like they had to I'm like man I play GTA like why aren't they shooting the windows out or like ramming them I'm like because he's not speeding and they put down the speed trap to try to stop him. And he like he was doing he was on the uh, on the five or the four or five. And his whole tire was was like gone from the speed traps, But he was still rolling like on the wheel well. And I'm just like, why won't they shoot the because his speed is not a danger to pedestrians. Also, if you so don't like, attempt to evade, they also can't do very much. So like so. So if you 
if you are in a situation <laughs> where, <laughs> where I'm in a minivan, <laughs> where you're in a minivan and the cops are behind you and you're going 30 and they're going 30 and then they attempt to pull you over and you just haven't stopped yet. But then they set up the speed trap and you stop. They can maybe try to get you with some sort of evading thing, but it's going to be a hard case to make because it's like, guys, no, I couldn't stop. Where did you want me to stop on the median? Like, like, yeah, I, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't stop and I wasn't speeding. And then when you when you made it safe to stop, I stopped. You know what I mean? So there are right. things like that. But those conversations of sitting your black kids down or, or black people that you care about down don't really have anything to do with what the actual rules are. They're more about the attitudes around the people that are enforcing the rules, you know? So it's like, that's another way that it's good to know those things, but you, you still have to figure out a way to both know and not, I mean, it's, 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 it's so tough because it's like, you yeah. want to make yourself as safe as possible. So you want to know the right. rules. But then when someone is breaking the rules in an attempt to stop you from supposedly breaking the rules, you're also going to be yeah. a bit a bit taken aback. And so there's a part of you that wants to protest in that moment. And sometimes mm -hmm. unless your life is being threatened, it's like it's going to be it's going to be hard to make your case in that in that moment. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't have the power. And that's that's you one need, of the things that sucks so much. You need. Like you can have all, like you say, you can have all the information, but with information, you also got to give people critical analysis, thinking, training. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can know that, yeah, legally they can't do that, but oh shit, they kill niggas. So let me just pull over and try to do whatever they say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and no, with bullies, no, absolutely, you can do whatever they say, and they still they don't get it it's not a mental thing it's not an ego thing they're sometimes people are just fucking bullies yeah and they don't care how much you agree with what they say and listen to them they they have a they have an agenda yeah and i mean that's, that's that's one of the reasons why you have to in in the fight for justice you have to go around them it's like there's no there's no arguing and there's no reasoning with a police union you're just going to have to go around them <laughs> and change the laws around how they police. That's all you can do because they police unions notoriously don't think they've done anything wrong. Even when they within internal affairs catch people who did something wrong, because it's, it's right. a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy they have that if they catch someone doing something wrong, the system works because they caught the person. Right. So right. the system is perfect. And then if they didn't catch the person, well, obviously that person didn't do anything wrong because we caught all these people, you know? So, it, yeah. so you're never going to convince them in, in a way to self-police and to change policy for the better and everything. Like some of these people even now that are in shootings as officers had that whole training, whatever training we think they need, whatever extra training, 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 they had it. And then they still shot mm -hmm. someone four days later, you know? So it's, it's not just about that. It's about should people even carry a gun for the first year? Should they just do their ride-alongs with their partner unarmed? Mm. Because now you have to, now you, you have to figure out a way, you know, you have to figure out a way mm. to, to resolve the situation. You have to figure out a way to, to get people to listen to your commands that don't just involve waving a gun in people's faces, you know? And then, yeah. If the if the you know it's it's a it's a weird argument because people 
will look at you crazy when you make the distinction. But it, it is a thing of, if, if police are supposed to be heroes and you say that you're putting your life on the line all the time, then when we ask you to do things that you feel like are going to make it more dangerous for you, well, you're still, you're, I don't know if you're putting your life on the line anymore now that you're not putting your life on the line squared. This is a dangerous job. Right. If you're, if you're this concerned about the dangers of the job, then you shouldn't be doing it. And that's not a diss to anybody. That's just the reality. That's why I'm not a cop. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not a cop because I don't want to get shot. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm also not a cop because I don't know if put in certain situations, I wouldn't shoot someone. So it's not that I'm better yeah. than anybody. It's, it's about the fact of like, are we finding the right people? And even amongst the quote unquote right people, are we giving them the optimal training? And even on top of the optimal training, are we putting them back out into situations where they're going to be trigger happy because something happened the day before, you know? Because mm-hmm. maybe something yeah. did happen, and now we just send that person back out there, and then wonder how they get militarized the way they do. It's like maybe maybe there should be field shifts. Maybe you shouldn't be out there on a beat every day. Maybe that's crazy, and we just haven't accepted that that's crazy to do to someone yet. You know, yeah, if they're not going to defund the police, they should broaden the scope of what a police job is. So somebody like Tyler Perry says we need more police, which I think is absolutely ridiculous, but a police officer should go beyond um, criminal stopping crime. Right. So like they'll say like, well, this is the goal. Like in certain situations, you send a psychologist or you send a conflict resolution expert. I'm saying like, okay, you can keep calling it the police then. But still send a conflict, a conflict resolution police officer, like expand what goes in because everybody should. The same people just busting up drug uh, ships shouldn't be like sent to somebody who's sleeping in the park is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, like I divi- mean, expand the divisions of police officers. Yeah, and I and I think that, you know, the the whole the whole idea, the whole philosophy behind defund makes so much sense. And I, and it's, it's also a matter of why, you know, and I, and I plan to talk about this too more, especially when I have a better developed understanding of everything that is happening, but it's so frustrating because the people who want to defund the police and the police unions are saying the very same thing. We're asking police to do too much. We expect too much of police one police officer has to do like 19 jobs. And so in both scenarios, I don't understand why it would be such a struggle. Like defund is literally saying, let us take some of the load. And then the, the police unions are saying, no, no, absolutely not. You have to keep overworking (laughs) us. I mean, that's that's essentially (laughs) the argument, you know, it's like, you need to keep overworking us. You need to keep, making sure that at every turn we're scared we're either going to get shot sued or fired and then the defund police people are like why do you want to be this freaked out all the time why do you want to be this on edge (laughs) you shouldn't be the one respond there's a homeless guy sleeping in in the subway and people think he's sick so why are we sending someone who's not an emt necessarily like police have emt training but we're not yeah. sending 
a medical professional to deal with that because because why because we're scared maybe you'll get violent well, what happens when he gets violent someone's gonna maybe have to take him down or you know what i mean like like i i understand yeah. how we got here i do understand how it seemed to be the safest thing at the time with the old knowledge and the old reasoning that we had to get where we are i but obviously we need a change you know it's 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 yeah. it, i think that sometimes so much blame goes here and there that we forget that we all collectively thought a lot of this was normal for a long time. So like you're a kid, you're a little kid and you have your first day of high school and on your first day of high school and maybe even younger, maybe even middle school, your first day of high school or middle school, you walk through a metal detector and there's a cop there. And then they say that the cop is there to keep you safe because you know, world's crazy school shooters maybe the cop is going to be the one to stop the bullet whatever right but we we've let we've let everything around police slowly just slowly spread every into every part of society to where it's all normal everywhere it is and then someone steps up and then says like guys i don't know if this is normal for people with ar-15s in police like riot gear to be in mass like like near Madison Square Garden and in Times Square for like no reason like nothing happened but they're just standing there with like an assault weapon what's that for you know and so all of these things felt normal because no one was really having the bigger conversation of how things could go awry or the things that were already going wrong on a day-to-day basis and so now it's seen as this big wild theory of defunding the police and putting that funding into other aspects of society. But honestly, when you, when you look at it, what other recourse do we have? Because we go to the city council, we go to every part of the municipality, we go to the governor, we go to all these people and we're like, we need funding for this thing, funding for this thing. And they all seem to ignore it and then give that funding to the police. And then because the thing is falling apart, of course, we need more cops there. Of course, you, of course, if you're having, if you're having a knife fight in your high school, you know, two times a year, or, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you are Mm -hmm. going to a high school that is rough, that has like gang affiliations and and gang recruitment of, of kids from the high school, of course it would make sense. And even an older black person's mind to be like, yeah, there should be some sort of like, deterrent somewhere and then we decide that deterrent was police and then we saw that that didn't necessarily help the problem at all you know right they just decide to do it in a place where that police officer isn't then it's like okay well now we need more police and then it's like all right well i'll catch you outside of school and okay now we need more police on the street and it's like when do we stop needing police you can't like you're not going to You're not going to not have violence, sadly. Support for this podcast comes from American Express, who is proud to be backing 100 black women entrepreneurs like Reese Scott, who founded a boxing community for women. Boxing helps women and girls to build their confidence. Or Taylor Long, who founded a clothing brand for all. Everyone should have access to the same style of clothing, no matter their size. 100 Black Women Entrepreneurs, 100% backing of American Express business. Meet the 100 at AmericanExpress.com slash 100 for 100. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in a new virtual room. Collaborate live, building ideas on the same page. And see more of your team on screen at once. 
Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Support for this podcast comes from Walgreens. Let's start with everyone out there who loves a good story. Now, narrow it down to all those passionate podcast listeners who are dedicated to living their best life. That's you, right? Well, Walgreens created a new, easier way to shop, save, and stay well just for you. It's called My Walgreens. And when you join, you'll discover personalized deals, instantly earn unlimited rewards, and receive real-time local health alerts. Join for free at mywalgreens.com. Exclusions apply. Well, also, I think that, you know, <laughs> there, there, are, there are fixes that are simple to say, but not easy, right? So if, if, if we had, let's say, all the money in the world, right? Like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos level money, and we could just focus on one school district, right? One school district that's in a very um, underdeveloped part of town that has like ties to gangs coming out of the, out of the school and everything. You invest in better funding for the school in general, right? Just better, better funding. Because a lot of times, I, you know, I, even, even where I grew up, there were people who had to share textbooks, right? So if you got to share textbooks, it's more than likely you're not going to have better grades than a kid that doesn't need to share textbooks. Like, I know we live in a world now where maybe you can screenshot the whole chapter and maybe you're going to read it off of your phone and maybe, 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 maybe. But the reality situation is you got to share textbooks already. You're going to have lower grades. That's going to result in a lower, um, acceptance rate to colleges, it's going to, it's going to just not translate well into the rest of your life, right? So you get better funding for the school overall. Then you invest in the after school programs, because a lot of these people, if you're, if you're in a quote unquote bad neighborhood, and you're in an underdeveloped part of town, right? It, it, it suffice to say that maybe your parents don't have the best financial situation either. So maybe your parents can't afford to, you know, come get you right after you get off of school and everything. So maybe you do have nothing to do after school. So you either walk home or you try to hang out with some friends or, you know what I mean? You then, you then invest in an after-school program of, of so many different disciplines because we act like this thing didn't already exist. But in the nineties, you know, there were, there's always been struggling schools and stuff, but we, we act like arts programs haven't been rolled back for the past couple decades, you know? So you, you, you reintroduce those. And so now it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a kid who either you decide that you're into music or you go home after school. Now you, you, you have music, you have athletics, you have film, you have all these different disciplines that you can get into. And now you're just, you're just a, a little bit less likely to be roped in to just goofy shit after school. Cause that's where a lot of it but starts Josh, as. But Josh, the arts encourage free thinking and they encourage acceptance of things that are different from you. And they encourage everything. Schools are built like jails and prisons. Yeah. To to encourage and factories to encourage you to do that. So if they have the programs, motherfuckers might start thinking on their own, and that's a problem. Yeah, I mean it. it <laughs> it's never ideal. <laughs> right. Motherfuckers can't be like like how many? I think about all these comics, comedians who. If they weren't in comedy and had to be around other black artists, other brown artists, other gay artists, how far back they would be in their development socially. You know what I mean? Like some of these comics who I'm just like, just just straight up straight white dudes who like, and not even terrible people, but just how little they would know about other types of people 
had they not had to be in the green rooms with black folks or even make friends with black folks. They wouldn't have it. Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. I think that I think that's true for a lot of people. And I think that it's 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 fortunate then that there are people who I don't think I would have met if I didn't do comedy. And there are people who I definitely don't think I would have understood if I didn't do comedy. I don't think I'd understand my like I don't think I'd have the relationship with my mentality that I do now, if it weren't for comedy, I don't think I'd be able to cultivate the relationships with people that I can if it wasn't for comedy. So I, I see what you mean. And I think that there's, there's lots of things happening right now where obviously nothing is, at the moment, nothing is enough. No one thing is enough for us to just wipe our hands clean and say like, well, the progress is coming. and All we gotta do is sit back and wait. <laughs> but, you know, there are people in that I'm grateful for in parts of the US and, and, and even parts of the world that are doing studies into how best to school people and how best to mm-hmm. operate a school district that everyone gets the most out of it, you know? And and so right. there are people thinking about these things right now in a way that I would never be able to and implementing it in a way I would never be able to. So I am hopeful about the future, but I think that there's there's so much around the conversation of of police right now and and police are just a symptom it's it's just it's just a it's just a very tragic symptom because you know on top of black lives matter on top of a can't wait all these all these organizations have been calling out and calling attention to failings in the criminal justice system and and the way that we police there's also people who are I think there are people who maybe it's because of ego or maybe it's because of just genuinely not understanding the movements that don't feel welcome because they don't, because they aren't black or because they aren't coming from the same place. But like, look, criminal justice system doesn't give a fuck about you if you're poor and white. Trust me. That's trust the, me. Yeah. That. Trust me. Please believe yeah. if you, ooh, if you cannot pay your bond, because you, because you know, the one thing that I, that I, it's never been lost on me and I could be completely wrong about it. And if I get called out, I get called out. There's so many different treatments of men and women and white people, people of color, everything like that in the criminal justice system until you get to jail. And then when you get to jail, jails just seem to be bad for everybody. Like unless you're at a quote unquote good jail, jail is bad. You know, so there's there's not a segregated jail like a lot of inmates will self segregate, but there's not a segregated jail that is now this is the better jail for the white inmates. And then this is the worst jail for the black. It's like, no, no, this is jail. Right. And so, yeah, black folks with money on their books get treated better than white folks with less money on their books. It's really about that one color green. And so when you are talking about a system that that has no problem putting a poor white person in the same category as maybe any black person, money or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot more people that would benefit from these changes than just the people who get posters made of them or the people we say RIP about or the people that end up on T-shirts. It's like, they're, you know, and I know some of them. I know poor white people who have had the knee in their back oh. and they're like, yo, I didn't do anything. I'm not the one. You got the wrong. 
and all they got was a stick. You know what I mean? Like this is this is an overall attitude problem, man. It's a symptom of us caring about property more than people. It's a symptom of us using money to float problems. And I think that mm-hmm. it, it it's a symptom of incorrect thinking being being passed on in perpetuity. I think that when you have a system that is not working, you then have people who are going to at least be benefiting or see that the flaws in the system haven't affected them, continue to push the narrative that all we need to do is try harder. A lot of policing and the attitude between policing in America is exactly like a multi-level marketing scheme because the answer is, hey, guys, I'm not making any money. I've I've got all this product. Nobody else wants to buy it. I got my friends to buy it. I got my family to buy it. Now I got all this product. I'm not making any money. In fact, I'm losing money. And what do the multi-level marketers tell you? You need to work harder. You need to find more people. The system works if you work it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Policing works the same way. Grandma, she has money. (laughs) Absolutely. Policing works the same way. So then when there's there's some sort of social failing, we add police, whether police can fix it or not. Then when the failing either gets worse or stays the same, we add more police as if that's going to fix the problem. So there's an overall American attitude that I think is honestly like, you, you know, we're, we're seeing all the cracks in it because of the virus, but it's, it's an honest sickness that we have in admitting when we're wrong. It's like, it's like we're, I mean, it, it's almost sociopathic, the level that people will just try to press harder within their own narrative when it's clearly not working. Like, like I was actually having this conversation with my girlfriend last night about how a lot of people, a lot of people that people look up to too. So don't think like those, those YouTube gurus, those, those like YouTube and podcast gurus that talk about finance, talk about investing, talk about the economy and like the faux economists, they are bad at business. They are a hundred percent bad at business. <laughs> and we know that now because now it took, it took three months for some of them to be out of business. It took three months and, and a little right. less income for us to see that they weren't smart. They were just greedy and the economy happened to be working for them at the time. You know, so, so we have right. a sickness when it comes to admitting when we're wrong, admitting when we need to shift focus, admitting when we need to shift strategy and we're paying for it. You know, it, it's- and also, also demonizing, there was a great Twitter conversation meme talk about like demonizing things until we need it. Right. Yeah. So like gov- government assistance is, is ghetto as fuck until certain people need need the money until a big business needs to be bailed out that's welfare that's the same welfare that you railed against like fucking potbellies is a welfare queen like they got ppp and every the, the most bailouts kanye west millions in government assistance everything is bad until you need it right yeah so all, like you said, all it took was one, two missed paychecks, and all these financial geniuses were like, yo, y'all need to pass something. <laughs> what happened to I'm a hustler? Yeah. What, what, what happened to, what happened to flip that money three ways? Because that's my, that's my favorite one. All of, the, all of the YouTube gurus and all these people who were like, I can't wait until the next recession. I can't wait until I'm going to make so much money in the next depression. It's like, hey. Bro, is here. Where where are those stacks you were talking about? 
Because you said you couldn't wait. You didn't just say, I'll survive it. You said you couldn't wait. You were genuinely excited about the prospect of money being scarce, of jobs being scarce, so that you could go ahead and hire everybody and build your empire. And now you're laying people off. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said for learning and shifting strategy and, and just being malleable, like being able to make those changes in real time, even if it makes you look a little dumb or even if it's not something you ever saw yourself doing. Uh, because, because yeah. why, I mean, it's, it's literally on a local level too. So not even, we're not even talking about big, big corporations this happened to. There were people who decided to invest in real estate and then they got greedy and they stretched themselves too thin. And so now they own three properties and they were paying, they were paying all these properties. And, you know, of course you don't want to pay it all off in full. What if there's another investment you want to make? That would be dumb to just Mm -hmm. pay it off in cash. Right. So we're just going to let three different properties have 30 year mortgages because on a long enough timeline with inflation, you're actually paying less than the amount that you signed up for, you know? So why, why are we, why are we sitting here and collecting all this money and then putting it towards all these three properties, none of which we own because now we spread ourselves too thin. And so when a situation comes where one of our properties that's full of tenants can't pay because none of them have jobs. Mm-hmm. Now we're not just, we're not just going to lose one building. We're going to lose three investment properties. Mm-hmm. You're bad at business. Yeah. You're bad. You're bad at it. You know, it's, this, it's silly. Uh, economics is not an isolationist. Uh, free market is not isolationist. Like you can have all the things necessary that people need to buy, like need to buy, not just want to buy, need to buy. But if they don't have the capital, you're in just as bad of a predicament as they are. So you can you can have all this investment stuff and talk all that shit about poor people and all of this, but if they can't pay, then it's like, okay, the government encourage them. And then you need you need them to apply for government assistance for you to survive. So you yourself are also reliant on government assistance. Like there's no isolation. Like I don't care how much better you think you are, if it's all cyclical. And it's all circular. Like the people you need to sell the product to need a way to have fucking money. But everybody will try to, like you said, the gurus will tell you, this is how you beat the system or this is how you do that. And it really just all comes down to the government shit. Don't win us money. That is ours because we pay taxes. I mean, but also, it, it, you know, it speaks to a larger sickness of like, why do you need to own these three properties? Why couldn't you just own one in cash? Why couldn't, why couldn't you just, right. you had the money, right? You had the money. Why couldn't you just pay this one off? Because of the dangling carrot of, of potential profit. And, it, and, right. and it's, a, it's a problem because I'm not against anyone making money. I'm not against everybody being okay. I want everybody to make money. I want everybody to be okay. But there's a, there's a sickness at play when you have such a level of greed that it destroys you. That, that can't be argued. Like some people think capitalism is evil. Some people think that like communism is evil, socialism is evil, whatever. Yeah. But as soon as you destroy yourself, you can't argue with me that whatever method you did it by was bad, you know? Yeah. And so I'm not even saying that full on capitalism is bad, anything like that. I'm saying that the, the mode by which people are meeting their own destruction when it's, especially when it comes to choices they made, 
it's like, all right, learn from this. This is a chance to make an adjustment. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's nah. I'm still trying to get rich, bro. I'm trying to yeah, <laughs> greed <yeah>. is good, <laughs> right? I didn't even I didn't even know the depths of your economic, uh, you know, proclivity, bro. No, no, I, don't I don't even know. I, lo- I don't know I, anything. I don't economics. listen to me. <laughs> you know everything. No, no, no. Too late to be. No, I'm just a comedian, man. Nah, you know stuff. Very smart, man. Good talk. Incredible uh, solution based podcasting man with the man josh johnson former writer for late night with fallon current writer for uh the daily show with trevor noah got a, a special drop in we didn't even get into this but comedy central has made some sweeping changes but i have faith that your special is gonna be one of the classics man oh, I, I don't i don't know it. what's gonna happen over there i have no idea i, appreciate I know it. that it's mostly reality-based tv but I know that special comment. Look, just and, just uh, pray for yeah, me. <laughs> that's it. That's it. At the end of the day, Josh is from the South. And he also lives in Chicago, which is the South of the North. For <laughs> black folks. So pray for me is, is his statement. Where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me. One second. Let me let this ambulance pass. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful. Man, time is crazy. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at Josh Johnson Comedy. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Johnson. That was very hard to get, by the way. There are thousands of us. Uh, you can find me yeah, on. Um, there's at least one more, right? You can find me on Facebook um, at Josh J Comedy, and you can find me on YouTube at Josh Johnson Comedy. That's my channel, and then my new podcast is out, the Josh Johnson Show. And so, please Josh tune in. Uh, talk about life and comedy with my co-host and tell stories about growing up and everything so it's a fun time josh johnson show coming out this has been classic black dude with your host clark jones aka pod strickland keep listening man keep sending those reviews you can find me at the clark jones and uh make sure you support that special when it drops man i know it's gonna be something spectacular um keep taking care of yourselves and uh thank you josh for joining us This has been great. We'll see you soon right here on Classic Black Dude Podcast. Podcast.